0: You're listening to...
1: Whoa! Potluck! Potluck!
2: And what is poppin', everybody? You're listening to The Good Pop Culture Club, episode 147. Uh, My name is Marvonio, and joining me, as always, to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days, we have the once and future professional Asian-American just Jews. Once
0: in future and always. It's like a it's like a succubus.
2: You are that back pulls
0: me back. In
2: the fold. You have like you mentioned that you were gonna take some time off, become just your typical doctor's wife lounging around, but mm-hmm. no. You're, guess.
0: I guess I guess the um the the caveat here is that he is a pediatrician. And I don't know if you know this, Marvin. <laughs> they don't make that much money. Oh no. Um especially in a period of inflation. Um, and and also, I am an expensive bitch. Uh, <laughs> and I go crazy. I'm like, a, you know, like a caged animal needs to be in its natural environment. I guess I need to, like, be always sometimes stressed to, like truly feel like myself (laughs) Mm -hmm. um so you know until i can figure out what actually is next long term i guess you know i have to fall back on the only discernible skill i know which is being asian um and sometimes i'm not even very good at that so Mm -hmm. but don't tell anyone Mm -hmm. so here we are uh and the 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 gumi hotel has driven me back, <laughs> has, has pulled me back into the void. Um, and I will I will stay here for a little bit with y'all uh until I can escape again.
2: Yeah, I mean you're now programming film festivals, running writers' fellowships, the whole shebang. Welcome back.
0: I, I know, I know. But like, you know, it's it's it is kind of nice to be like only involved in like one thing instead of like the whole thing. So, so I'll hold on to that.
2: Yeah. Also joining us, the most professional of culture editors, Han Win.
0: Hey,
1: hey.
2: How was your week off? It's actually been pretty nice the last few days, which is just a prelude because tomorrow, as of recording, is going to be another rainy day. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. as no! roof here in no. L.A.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was like really hot. It was really hot today, too. It was weird. I'm in like my shorts. Um, You know, what was once my fat day shorts which are not just regular shorts
2: how was your break on
0: uh not bad half of it was like this is like probably
1: the most social i've done for a staycation which is like out of the i guess technically nine days i was off i mean i'm counting the weekend days um i had uh five social events (laughs) uh two of which i saw marvin
2: yeah, I'm, we were hanging out a bunch this week.
1: Yeah, I count seeing a movie as a social event by the way cuz if as long as I have a friend with me. So, yes, um, agreed. Yeah. Um so yeah, it, it was kind of fun. I felt like I was driving all over the place. Uh so it's good to see LA because of the nice weather. I think only drove once in the rain, which looks good. Um, But that was worth it because I had a lobster roll. So yeah, I started, even though my lofty ambition was to watch two Korean dramas all the way through, I only started them. But one of them is, um, you will be happy to hear, is Coffee Prince just oh. the, the yes. one you, yeah i'm i'm starting on my my whole gender bender uh journey of watching of all of them because yes i started with the king's affection but now i'm going back in time and going you know with the antecedents um
2: yeah of, that one of is of that a classic k drama K-drama from like what like 20 years six, ago now
1: yeah. yeah yeah it was interesting cuz it's like this feels like a um like a music video, the way, like, the visuals, (laughs) you know? Um, But it's really interesting to see Young Gong Yu um, and just, you know, in general. All I
2: know is Rich Dad from Parasite is in that one.
1: I don't know if I got to that yet. So, um, or maybe I don't recognize him. I
2: think he's the second male lead.
1: Oh, maybe. I will look at uh, Rich Parasite (laughs) Dad and take a look. Maybe I didn't recognize him because I know who the second male lead is. So, okay. (laughs) Interesting.
2: Yeah, well, excited for your journey down memory lane. Um, yeah, ha- I guess at at some point you're gonna have to watch Boys Over Flowers and suffer through that. I, like the I will. Rest of us. I will.
1: I will get there. But I think it. While it ha- part partly, it's fun to see all these guys around this one one girl. Usually, it's kind of like obvious, you know, who she ends up with. So then you're just like, kind of like, ah, these people are aggravating me. <laughs> or that's how I felt when I was watching uh, Cinderella and Four Nights.
2: If we um, had the time. and obviously we don't but if we had the time we should just watch every single iteration of that show and just like
0: yeah oh i have (laughs) oh no i have there's definitely better ones um i've even watched a little bit of the really bad like low budget american remake or american attempt no i think it was just like a youtube Digital. Oh, no, no, that's bad. It was bad. It was bad. I know some sorry, I know some people in that it was bad. Um, yeah, don't watch that one. But you know, I've watched all variations of the Hanayori Dango, uh, you know, starting from OG Media Garden, still my favorite. Oh my god. <laughs> to it really went around and mm-hmm. then, you know, until full circle back to like mainland China, which mm-hmm. wasn't that great. So I'm now like waiting for the reboot. Well, I The
1: way I'm watching Coffee Prince is now I have a subscription to Vicky Rakuten Kakao. You know? <laughs> so I do have access to the Chinese stuff, Thai, Thai series, all of them. So I was just like, oh, I just don't have enough time. I need to just quit this job so I can watch you know, Asian dramas. Yeah. Make, make that, that your job. job. Exactly. Yes, make it my job.
2: Exactly. Well... Also, not our job, this podcast, where we're talking about (laughs) the good pop that gets us through our days. Um, this week we're back on schedule. It's the end of March, so we're going over the latest Asian American entertainment news in our monthly news segment. Do we want this? But before we get to that, let's find out what pop culture is picking us through this week. Um, let's start with Jess. You got some, you went to some like Culture, culture.
0: Yeah, I didn't get a lot of time to watch things this week because I was in a wedding, not my own, but I was in a wedding, and holy shit, there were a lot of work. This is my this was my first time being in a bridal party, Um, and yeah, it's it's a lot. (laughs) And so I was running around all weekend trying to you know help the bride. I was friends with the bride and groom, so there's like you know double. Kind of like the things to do, um, and it was really fun. But also, I we were like also tired. I'm like, we can't, we can't do this anymore. Like, we're all old. I think half of us are like, or, or mm-hmm. basically, now the conversation after every single event in which we try to go out and party is. Oh, just FYI. I'm not feeling that well. Yes. I don't know if it's COVID. I took a test so far, it's negative. Um, it doesn't feel like COVID, but like I'll keep you guys updated. Um and let you know, I'm probably just tired, you know, like rinse and repeat. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Oh. yeah, so it was it was a lot. Um, it made me really be like, okay, I gotta gird my loins for my own wedding. I'm gonna try to do as little as possible. For my own wedding, like just, I hired people, I'm going to like, you work, (laughs) you work, please, I do not want to work, which is like usually the opposite vibe of when I plan things. But I'm like, it's a whole nother level with weddings, which I don't know if you agree or not, Marvin, you you have gone through this. Well,
2: I mean, we did a civil ceremony, so we just invited, like, literally just family, and even that felt like a lot of work. Um, just coordinating that um, on our own even though it's like maybe like 20 people to account for so i can't imagine i
0: agree yeah they're just people just people just lose their fucking <laughs> minds uh when it when it comes to weddings and i yeah. again i don't know why everyone gets emotional like the couple of the center can be chill about it but sometimes everyone around them just acts up
2: yeah and it also depends on not only the um, the bride and groom and their plan, but also like who they get for their wedding party. Because I've seen wedding parties where literally it's just the bridesmaids doing all the work and the dudes are off to the side drinking and throwing axes. I don't know how yes. helpful the grooms were at this particular wedding.
0: We had mixed gendered parties on each both side. And we are all friends. So friends from college. So it was... I mean, I think just there's just gonna be a general imbalance because it takes so much work for, you know, to look like a human woman on a wedding day, uh, which, you know, patriarchy. And the dudes can very much like roll up like I took a shower, Uh, but we made them work. And so it's pretty easy to just like call them out and be like, you know, like do this, do this. A little little communication snafus, but it's pretty, pretty good. That's good. And it also helps that we all met. Doing theater in college, so everyone in this group is essentially a live event producer slash event producer. So like we were on that shit, like no phones in pockets, no <laughs> rubber bands on the wrists. Um, I was like, we were like, we were on it. We're like, you walk slow, like do not miss your fucking cue, okay? Like, we're running this. Uh, so I think it does help to have like folks who do this for a living
2: that sounds i mean that could either be really really good or a complete nightmare because you and i have both worked for events where like too many cooks in the kitchen right
0: i'm sorry we're good event planners so you know you also (laughs) have to know when to step up step down right that's a tenant of leadership uh and in this situation very clear who's the boss there's no debate uh and i think it went off well food food was really good very hard, you know, very rare to say that from a wedding. Food was delicious. Uh, the porcini, dusty cod, excellente. Drinks are flowing. Uh, so, yeah, good time was had by all. Yeah.
2: All right. Well, Han, <laughs> I know you're, you're watching Coffee Prince, but you're also watching something else. Um, what's popping?
1: Yeah, I mean, I started many things and including Crash Landing on You, which I know I'm behind. <laughs> but the thing I actually finished uh, was part two of The Glory. Um, I think the first part, I can't remember when it came out, but the maybe a couple weeks ago, the second half, so uh, eight more episodes dropped and finished up the story of revenge that we had been waiting for. Um, and let me just tell you, the revenging was bloody and sweet. Um let me set it up for you. Basically it's Song Ko. She plays Moon Dong Un. Uh basically she's a woman who is was brutally like I'm warning you, brutally bullied in high school by this sort of group of bullies where, you know, there's the one ringleader was this like incredibly scary girl. Um and so the first two episodes I have to warn everyone. It's just like just lock yourself in. You thought ite one class. The first two episodes were gory. No, 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 no. This, this was bad. And uh, to to the point where people are like, "Why do you watch it?" And I'm like, "Because it does pay off." And I feel like the visceral sort of cringe you have from how bad it is, um, like painful, not bad, like you know, bad storytelling, um, kind of makes you so invested in the revenging um, that kind of gets you there. So, um, But of course, like a lot of these things, um, the revenge takes place over decades. <laughs> and uh, she not only plans something out where she's getting revenge on people at least more than 10, 20, you know, not, I don't know, about 20, maybe 15, 18 years later. Um, they have kids now. Uh, she had to go and get a certain, like, college degrees in order to exact her revenge the right way. Uh, she does an Invite someone else, she gets, she has to hire on someone who becomes her like uh, spy, takes photos of the bullies in their daily lives so she can exact her revenge. She learns how to play Go in order to exact her revenge. Um, so, it. but I will say, second half gets back to the sort of the violence. However, it's satisfying, okay, violence because it's the revenge violence. Um, and nothing is as cruel as uh what initially happened to her and she they do mention that several times they're like well so-and-so was going to jail well guess what so-and-so was already dead you know or something like that because of course these bullies did not just stop with her they bullied other people um so yeah i i i found each of the bullies come comeuppances uh Partly some of them were more satisfying than others, um, but it also was interesting for me to talk to other people who had watched the show because I was like, how bloodthirsty are we? Um, but I do think that this is part of the sort of Asian anger, you know, <laughs> um, and and it becomes sort of like a catharsis for all the stuff that like we have, you know, have to go through and kind of like keep quiet about. Um, so, yeah, I found it f- probably one of the more satisfying revenge stories because she actually does get revenge and she doesn't just stop her revenging in order to find peace so
2: yeah i think that's the most important thing or my biggest question is how cathartic is it at the end because a lot of these i feel like a lot of revenge stories that i've seen you either the revenge either destroys the person Mm -hmm. doing the revenging or they stop like halfway through and it becomes something else like ET1 class becomes something else
0: like
1: yeah of the way and, through, right yeah and and i in some ways i understand i like the fact that this was somewhat shorter 16 episodes because it it made sense like ET1 class felt like it was just taken forever because they were drawing it out and then after a while you're just like this guy Hasn't matured one bit since he for, was first, you know, wronged, and and that became qu- kind of tiresome in the storytelling. And so when he finally kind of just found peace without getting, like, you know, he had some revenge but not full revenge. It, I felt kind of like it was a bait and switch for me. (laughs) So this one is satisfying in that there is definite revenge. Um, Your mileage may vary as far as if you thought the revenge is enough, but I do guarantee some of them get some pretty strong um, sort of uh, fates dealt to them. And, you know, it, I, I really would love to hear from more people about this, but yeah, I found this one fairly, um, uh, entertaining and satisfying. Um, yeah. So, if you feel like you can stomach the first two episodes, it does pay off. It's All also right. kind of funny at times.
2: <laughs> Sounds good. Maybe, if I'm feeling up for it. Uh, uh, uh,
1: yeah. This is just yeah. so much to watch. Yeah. I don't know if your wife is into that stuff, but
2: uh. <laughs> mm, I don't think she's more into like the more romances? violence. Yeah. She's more into the romances or like kind of the um, like, um, slice of life drama adult female led like she really liked 39 39? she really liked attorney woo like kind of
1: yeah okay all right i got drama
2: rom-com that area code of
0: korean drama i mean this
1: is female empowerment
0: (laughs) (laughs) this is my kind of female empowerment yeah
1: yeah i have to say it was and you know here's the thing the lead uh protagonist she's very fun and stylish and kind of like over the top villainy so she's enjoyable in that way because you can't wait for her to get revenged upon Um, (laughs) but she still looks good (laughs) throughout the whole thing Um, but yeah so that was me what's popping with you Marvin
2: Um, so as we all know Succession Season 4 came out this past Sunday Um, Mm -hmm. but I have not started it because I actually never finished Succession Season 3 I'm like two (laughs) episodes away
1: yeah, like, yeah. Three was kind of lost gas, I thought, near the end. Yeah, so. I,
2: I think the last episode I watched was the birthday party one, which was great. And Okay, that's great. <laughs> but um, I just, you know, lost steam or... Um, you know how it is. Like, you stop watching for like a week or two and you kind of just, like, forget about it because... Like I said, there's so many things to watch right now. So I haven't started Succession Season Four, but I have picked up the latest season of another HBO series, Perry Mason season two, Mm. which is Whoa,
0: that that was season one feels like it came out like so long ago. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, I think season one one was also like a lockdown era show, right? Both Succession and um, yes.
0: Yes, it was. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but in case you don't remember, um, Perry Mason is a noir um, L.A.-based crime show um, based on a series of novels starring Perry Mason as a defense attorney who solves The crimes that his clients are being accused of that got adapted into a long running television series, which is more of a crime procedural Perry Mason, the HBO series takes more of its cues from like hard boiled detective mysteries. It takes place in L.A. during the 30s, right before the Great Depression, right after the Roaring Twenties. Perry Mason in this world is a World War One veteran um, who in season one, he makes a living as a private investigator for a law firm and eventually becomes a licensed attorney to protect his client from a unjust trial. And so season one is kind of like his, um, his origin story on how he became um, the defense attorney we know and love. And in season two, uh, we find Perry Mason kind of in a rut. He's... Representing clients in civil cases, um, no longer doing criminal cases because um, he's lost his confidence ever since the woman that he successfully defended for in season one ends up taking her own life. Because um, again, season one, the the central crime revolves around the death of a baby.
0: Ooh, that's dark.
2: Yeah, and so even though he was able to prove the innocence or at least um, cause a mistrial for um, his client, who is the mother accused of killing the baby, um, the mother still. Had to live with the guilt of losing her child and ends up you know, taking her own life, um, which causes Perry Mason to question whether any of it was actually worth it. And so um, season two finds him coming out of his rut when he takes on the case of two Mexican brothers who are accused of killing the scion of a rich L.A. family. And you know we're still earlier on the season. We're following Perry Mason as he is you know investigating the inconsistencies of the case um, and trying to prove the brothers' um, innocence. Um, and so far, it's 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 pretty good. It's giving you what you want from a noir um, detective story. Um, great pacing, good politics. What I really love about the show is that it showcases the um, way. Marginalized people live in this era of L.A. Um, And, you know, we explore places like the shanty towns where the working class lives. One of the main characters is a lesbian. So we also explore like the gay underground of this time period. There's just a lot of effort being put into the world building. And that's always been one of the strengths of this show. Um, It really represents, you know, L.A. in the 30s beautifully, especially when it comes to people who aren't often represented uh, in peer pieces. Um, taking place in this time period, yeah,
1: sweet. Uh, yeah, I you know what I have missed the boat on this show, but I definitely <laughs> want to check it out because of the aesthetics. So, and fashion,
2: yeah. Um, this show definitely has a lot of style. Um, lots of people wearing dapper hats and suits, and um, the aesthetics. The aesthetics alone is is worth a watch, I think. Um, But yeah, um, that's what's popping for this week. But before we get to um, do we want this, um, let's check in once again with our podcast within a podcast, Go Asian, where we are recapping the latest season of Top Chef. This past week was episode three, um, which is the British pub food episode. Mm -hmm. Um, Did any of this stuff look appetizing to you? I don't know. (laughs)
1: well this is the weird thing is um i have i can't remember who said it on the episode but they said that certain pub foods especially in um in england you can find really good elevated versions of it and that actually was one of my experiences was the very first meal i went to was at this kind of like really cool pub and that the first meal i ever ordered was kedgeri which i've talked about (laughs) exhaustively I feel um and it was so fucking good and so but I then I tried to replicate it at every other pub and some pubs you just kind of expect it to be kind of like meh um so what they actually did serve is kind of like what I get at my local (laughs) you know uh expat pub when I need to watch some soccer um and you know yeah so the uh scotch egg is a little cold (laughs) or um I usually just get something like an English breakfast or bangers and mash or something. I don't like Yorkshire puddings; I feel like it's a weird doughy thing. Um, I have never gotten to get a fish fish pie or whatever that is. I would try that. Um, I do like a, a kidney pie, but yeah, I don't know. It's it on the screen. It wasn't visually. Appealing, I have to say. And I also loved the fact that Victoire just could not hide her disdain for the toad in the (laughs) hole. Like they asked her how she felt about it, and she literally couldn't say anything because she couldn't figure out something nice to say. (laughs) Um and her face and she was like, What are you saying, toy in the wall? Like what (laughs) Uh, Yeah,
2: I mean I take it back. I mean, I I I do enjoy a good shepherd's pie or a fish and chips, but I think that's the thing. Like, You need to get it like... right,
1: though, because I've had bad <laughs> yes. fish and chips and I've gotten excellent fish and chips in England. And it was because you had to go to the right place. Like you, for the right, you know, clotted cream tea or yeah. cream tea, it, you have to go to certain places. So it's I just it's feel just like so everything's
0: so beige. Yeah. yeah it's visually, so beige. It's like you have like the
2: best chefs, some of the best chefs in the world coming. And then it's like, I guess you have to showcase british food on the british season but like man it seems like <laughs> the least exciting places you can take what if they
1: what if they were like hey we're gonna feature british food and it's all colonized food <laughs> <'Cause that
0: would laughs> actually, i mean that would be great because that would actually be delicious but yes. man that would be a bold statement like right, right uh right like you have to cook a you have to cook Please cook a dish from one of the countries that the British Empire royally
1: fucked up. Yeah. and I <laughs> and have I fun. And I get how, like, traveling to different pubs is a great thing for the show to do. But at the same time, maybe just giving them one universal challenge. Like, hey, everyone, you have to do the, the roast dinner, you know, a Sunday roast. And then they had to figure out their spins on it. Would it maybe made more sense? I, I feel.
2: <laughs> I did love that. A lot of the chefs are saying, keep you on your toes, not drinking too much because they know a challenge is coming. And then you have Gabri and Buda yeah. who were just like Yeah. Tearing it. Downing
1: it. <laughs> yes. Uh Buda couldn't even do the right toast. <laughs> and it was just funny <laughs> to hear him to just keep on trying. And I was like, Yeah, no. I mean, uh, didn't
2: affect his cooking. He ends up taking the win. Um, he teamed up with uh yes. who did he team up with? Was
1: not it? And, it was the it was the Brazilian mm, lady who moved was, to yes.
2: Britain. Uh, yes, who was it? It was. The, the, I forgot the, the, her name. Uh, Luciana, Luciana, Lu-
1: Luciana. Yeah, yeah, and I, they worked really well together because I think at some point he was like, "The potatoes you made are not quite right," and so he had to redo it himself, and he's yeah. kind of upset. But Let's she be clear, actually Buddha
2: carried that team.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, no, she did some other great stuff on it, um but w- the biggest thing that i think this was like this was the smart way where she's like look this is not about ego so like even though i still believe my potatoes were delicious it's fine um and it, it, that's always the one of the biggest challenges with these team challenges is that where do you actually compromise and say yeah do it your way and when do you say no we got to do this because this was the downfall of the team that yeah. unfortunately went home
2: i mean buddha Ends up taking the win. So one Asian rises, but at the same time, one Asian falls. Because my home mm-mm. is May um, from Top Chef Thailand and Mustache Dale from Canada. Yeah. I <laughs> On was behalf of Canada, pissed. I apologize to the Asians mm. everywhere for this very avoidable yeah. sent home. <laughs>
1: Yeah, because the thing is, she was so good in the last episode. So it's very clearly um, that she just did get the luck of the draw, which was literally her partner. (laughs) So, um, but she also did compromise too much. She did, she, she (laughs) like um, served the egg cut already, which was a problem when it came to the cook. Um, She didn't do the, uh, ale reduction sauce that she wanted to. She wanted to do a little bit more deconstructed. He denies that. Yeah, and everyone so had, was
2: doing deconstructed. And the thing is, like, I don't know if it's just her, like, culturally not wanting to, you know, it's, it's like, this is an Asian thing. Did, did she lose because she was too Asian? Right. Right. Is no,
1: that- I get that. And also, you know, also being a woman. So this is mm-hmm. a constant thing in workplaces is where do you stand and say, no, 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 this is. Right. I know what this is. And then when you be like, "Okay, we're going to, you know, be be a team together and so I'll compromise on this." Right. So, Cuz May yeah. has been in
2: the top more often than not during the competition so far. Dale has been like non-existent. Like just let let her cook. Let May cook because obviously she knows what she's doing. And the worst part is Dale decided like Dale overrid her by going with the strategy, "Let's play it safe." Let's just mm-hmm. aim for the middle. And Why? even then, they messed it up.
1: They have said it from the first episode. They're like, you don't play it safe on Top Chef World All-Stars. You have to do everything perfectly, every challenge, um, and, and shoot for the stars because everyone else is excellent. Um, yeah, so yeah. I was kind of pissed. I mean, he did compromise and give her the... The meal that she wanted because she's chose Scotch egg and he wanted something else. Um, so I'm not gonna say it was immediate all him, you know, strong. No, army, it, was,
2: but it was all him. Cause she wanted the scotch egg because she had an idea. And he went, No, let's do a basic scotch egg with a Thai salad. Well,
1: yeah, he wanted another meal though. So that was the one thing. Like I will get I that's the only concession is he did say I wanted to do this other thing. He also probably would have kiboshed that one too. Yeah.
2: Options. I mean, that was the thing where he was like, he was telling her to Asian up the scotch egg in the most like basic fusion way possible, which yeah. is like, yeah. why don't you like, do, do a an sausage. Asian sausage?
1: It's like, no, they said, elevate it. You can't just change the flavors <laughs> and say, this is what we did. Uh, but anyway, we still have two. uh Nicolas around. She's very entertaining. <laughs> still. The other uh, Canadian, same. the better yeah, Canadian. She, the better Canadian. Um, <laughs> the only Canadian now. Uh, I still am enjoying uh, German Tom. Yeah. Uh,
2: and we still think. have um, Charval and Ali from yeah. Middle East. Remember, we're still yeah, counting just, them as Asian, too. We're claiming that.
1: Yeah, I, I like the Middle Eastern people. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of great people left. I'm bummed about May.
2: Uh, but yeah, like you mentioned, uh, Nicole and Buddha still in the running along with Charval and... Ali, so Go Asian lives on for another week. Um, yeah, it's going to be a sad day when we don't make it to the end of a season on Go Asian.
1: Well, um, I, there's always Kristen Kish did it. There's always Last Chance Kitchen. So Last
0: Chance Kitchen. You
1: never know. And I and I don't usually watch those as we go along. I sometimes just wait for the surprise. All
2: right. Well, uh, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're talking about the latest Asian American entertainment news. Um, so stick around. part of the potluck podcast collective and welcome back to the good pop culture club it's time once again for our monthly news roundup do we want this uh, where we go around this where we go around and discuss the latest asian american entertainment news and ask ourselves if we want this um Kicking off this edition is a trailer roundup uh, we were able to see a bunch of really great trailers for anticipated upcoming Asian American projects and excited to um, discuss them with you. Um, let's start with Jess. Uh, what's our first trailer.
0: So the trailer for Joyride dropped. Um, mm. This is the Adele Lim project. Adele Lim, the co-writer of Crazy Rich Asians, starring, uh, uh, written along with Cherry Chiva Prava Tamarong, who has written for Family Guy, and Teresa Shaw They are all good friends in real life. Three very, very funny uh, Asian American women writers. Um, and it stars Ashley Park, Sherry Cola, Stephanie Shu, and Sabrina Wu. Um, Damn, they really got Stephanie Shu before her rate went up, you know? (laughs) Uh, And it is about four Asian-American women who travel through Asia in search of Aubrey's uh, played by Ashley Park's birth mother. So they are in China. Uh, I believe Ashley Park and Sherry Cola's characters are BFFs from way back. Uh, Stephanie Shu is a college roommate who is now a actor, a famous actor, uh, like a drama soap opera actor in China. And Sabrina Wu is, I believe, Sherry's weird cousin who gets brought along for the ride. Uh, Like girls trip before them, they get into shenanigans. There are drugs. There are hot men played by some very attractive tall. Mm -hmm. They really found like the three really tall Asian American, Asian Australian men. Mm -hmm. over six feet tall so the 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 love interests are going to be played by desmond chiam alexander hodge Mm -hmm. of insecure fame and chris pang um (laughs) do we want this i'm just gonna answer hell fucking yes uh the trailer looks great it dropped on i believe it premiered at south by southwest uh to great reviews and it like legitimately looks funny like i'm not even like putting like the asian handicap on it it looks really fun uh All yeah. I could
2: think of when i first watched that trailer was that's roy from the office who plays <laughs> ashley park's dad
0: oh yeah i mean he can he can he he lives a life he has life um why are you thinking about the white man Marvin yeah, yeah. in this movie about female <laughs> friendship and Asian American women behaving badly. I, it, just,
2: I watched so much Office. It just it was yeah. the first thing I popped. in. I was like, oh, I recognize that dude because because the first scene was them as kids. So I didn't recognize Sherry Cola or Ashley Park yet, so I was like, oh,
0: yes. And they are, um, you know, Ashley Park is adopted by a white family, and so sh- the whole point of this trip is to try to go find her birth mother. Um, so you know, that's that's just a great setup. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I I agree
1: also just that this is doesn't seem like just a great Asian American comedy. It just looks like a fucking amazing comedy because when that trailer dropped, I don't know how many people in all of my Slack channels were sharing it t- with me and um and with each other just because it looked amazing. And the trailer alone, you know, was full of laughs, but you know it was just only touching on like the content in there. Also, I love that we got the Red Band trailer first because uh, it was totally raunchy. Uh, yeah, I- I'm excited because some of the things that are hinted at, I am waiting to hear both uh, Ashley Park and um, Stephanie Hsu sing because there <laughs> yes. is a girl sort of idol group moment at the airport that is hinted at. Uh, I want to see them dance and perform just every single aspect of this I am here for.
2: Yeah, I definitely I also, got, I don't know if you got this, but I definitely got like EuroTrip vibes from like, I think it was just Which a is my scene.
0: favorite movie. <laughs> like not even, I'm not even kidding. Like that is one of my favorite, like one of my definitely, I think my most watched movie ever and one of my favorite overall. Um, and then you put on, but then it's almost like a prestige yes. EuroTrip because you have all this really amazing talent <laughs> attached to it.
1: The um, the yeah. big question: Will they have a song that's a banger like Scotty didn't know?
0: Maybe. Well, we get a little bit. We get a little bit that they have to pretend to be a girl band, yeah. you know, with two Lisas to try to skirt some <laughs> uh, visa laws. Yeah, uh, they got to sh- shove some drugs up their ass, and I feel like this is a uniquely Asian, maybe Asian American experience. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like, don't we all know somebody or like are one degree away two one to two degrees away from somebody who like went back to the motherland to become famous or to do like to become a pop star or become an actor?
2: I mean, I think you and I just specifically because we grew up in SGV, probably know at least one person who did do that, who went to our high school.
0: Yeah, like a lot of these K-pop people, a lot of the Chinese, um, you know, pop stars are like born and raised in the United States. Um, So I just feel like that's uh, like that little, that just that little details like, oh yeah, of course your roommate from college is now a major actor (laughs) in China.
1: So I don't know if that happens that much with Vietnam, but I will say like traveling back to the motherland in order to do that. But I will say, I think one of my cousins on my dad's side is uh, a well-known Vietnamese singer here. Like, I don't know if he's been on Paris by Night, but he's kind of well known. And I, sorry, I can't even say his name. So, like, I have to, I'd have to look it up because this is a cousin, (laughs) cousin I met later in life. Um, so because they were in Vietnam most of the time. So um, yeah, yeah. So it's weird when people are like, you know, your cousin's famous. I was like, (laughs) Like, (laughs) sorry. Yeah, Uh, I mean,
2: by all accounts, a lot of everyone who watched this movie at South by Southwest that I know of had a really great time. Um. Not to be the wet blanket, but I am still like, I hope they pull off the adoptee storyline. That's like the one thing that I'm like still a little um, iffy about. But other than that, it looks like a lot of fun.
1: I feel like I want to have faith until we watch it because this is Adele Lim. So I think she understands how to break convention. So like fingers crossed. Um, And we'll see how that one works out.
2: Yeah. All right. So that's Joyride, which is something that we'll probably, we'll definitely end up covering on this podcast. Like, how can we not? Um, Han, what's our next trailer?
1: Haha. So uh, finally, my my interest in K dramas <laughs> continues to pay off. Um, so Xo Kitty is the trailer we watched is, is basically the series spin-off from the, to all the boys uh, movies trilogy that we had watched on Netflix. Um, that was based upon the trilogy of YA books written by Jenny Han. So this is about the little sister Kitty played by Anna Cathcart, who decides that like in researching her mother realized her mother went to the same Korean school as the, the cute Korean boy that she ran into on their uh, family trip to Korea because they're wearing the same uniform insignia, um, which and she, lo and behold, she applied and got into that uh, not college, um, that school also. So she is going to go on a journey um, in her motherland <laughs> uh, to find more out more about her mother um who has been, who has passed um but also maybe get in touch with her roots flirt with a cute guy uh so do we want this
2: i have to say <laughs> that trailer did not get me excited as much as i thought it would be
1: well i will say the first To All The Boys movie was really, really good. And I think a lot of that had to do with the director who was actually very creative in her direction and also allowed uh, Lana Condor to really stretch her acting chops. I thought it was so quirky and cute. Um, the other two films, they kind of... i They went to uh, the cinematographer and he became a director. So visually light, nice, but the storytelling not so brisk. Uh, yes. So, but I... I like the concept that this is a series. Um, it is, I believe, 10 episodes. So I'm, the assumption is that there are going to be some maybe K-drama nods, um, if not just some tropes in there. Uh, the Her love interest is someone I now recognize from, uh, what was the show, 2521. He played the younger brother of the male lead. Uh, so I, I have some hopes that it will be good. Right now, the trailer itself was more of a tease, not really a trailer. It's kind of like, I'm setting up the premise, but you're not going to really see much of anything else.
2: Yeah, uh, I wish we saw more <laughs> Korea, I guess, because the trailer, yeah, like you said, it is more of a teaser. We're pretty much watching Kitty walk through her a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> and I don't know... For me, it was just was not successful in getting me hyped up for another run oh. into the to all the boys verse because this is like this is like an original spinoff, right? There's no book yeah. about Kitty, right? Yeah, and
1: yes. I actually Jenny Han is a uh, writer producer on this, and the fact that Summer I Turn Pretty is so much better, uh, the Amazon series is so much better than the books um, gives me some hope because that was one of her earlier um book series and i think to all the boys is way better and it came later um like she was able to develop character better and had better you know just pacing and stuff like that so now i feel like because she also helped usher in a better summer i turned pretty um i feel like she's getting kind of her groove when it comes to tv uh knowing and understanding like her, her characters have been like Oh, my God, especially with somewhere I turned pretty so problematic um, in the book. <laughs> slightly better on the TV show. So um, or at least self-aware. So I have hopes for this.
2: Yeah. I mean, if anything, the setup is pretty good. Um, the boarding school that her mother went to is literally the acronym is KISS, which yes. is kind of on the nose.
1: <laughs> what do um. you mean? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'll say I do want this because I do want more like more Asian representation on Netflix. Never a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Usually. I
0: love yeah. (laughs) I mean, I love a teen drama. You add in a boarding school. I'm fucking there. Boarding schools are the like CW shit. Oh my god, love boarding school shows. (laughs) Oh my god, they're so good. Do you know how many boarding school fanfics I like read as a young child, teen, preteen? They're great. Right, no parental shenanigans needed. <laughs>
1: Agreed. Um because you know what, it's full of uh evil administrators and bullies. So, <laughs> yes,
0: yes. <laughs> and it's it's so you know school and work are like kind of the two places where you get stories of like random people together. Um and then like you amp it up with oh they all have to live together too. Ooh. <laughs> um it's great. It's great. It's totally great. Yeah. <laughs>
2: All right, um, the trailer I'm bringing up is We finally got our first look at Beef, the new A24 television series or Netflix series, not television series. The new A24 Netflix series uh, starring Stephen Yun and Ali Wong, um, created and written by Lee Sun Jin, um, um, about two people who get into a road rage incident in a parking lot and then proceed to um, try to ruin each other's lives. Uh, So, Do we want this?
0: Oh, my God. Yes. Talk about revenge fantasies. Haven't you ever just wanted to, like, fuck up a tailgater (laughs) or someone stole your parking spot?
2: I love this. Like, you know, a lot of representation is very, like, Mm -hmm. it's very positive. It's all about, like, oh, let's like, let's celebrate our stories. And to me, celebrating Asian stories should also include celebrating the simmering rage that we all have.
0: Do, do you think rage, you know, we've been talking about that with the glory and this show, do, and of course, you know, there's angry Asian man and angry little Asian girl. Like, do you think just like deep repressed anger is a defining characteristic of our communities <laughs> or one of the defining characteristics? Speaking
1: as a repressed Asian, uh, I would say yes. Um, yeah. That, we're, yes. we're like
2: taught from an early age to suppress all of our rage.
0: I, I just don't understand because all my rage is external, so um, which has also gotten me into a lot of trouble. But yeah, I'm just like, oh, some people like some people swallow that.
1: Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, my family, we either don't express rage or we're so overcome with rage but don't know how to express it. We cry. Uh, so there there are definitely times when we're kind of like trying to like. Scold or yell or whatever at someone, but there's tears in our eyes <laughs> because we just don't know how to handle it. Uh, yeah. that's kind of like what would happen if a Vulcan tried to express rage, um which you know I think Vulcans were like lightly modeled on Asians, so
2: <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, and this whole trailer just it just does a really good job setting up like the inciting incident and just these two people unraveling right and it's kind of it feels like a power fantasy, like just said. Yeah. What if we did we did express our rage? How would that turn out? And the fact that the whole entire trailer is set to smashing pumpkins. Um, yeah. it was just such a well-done trailer, you know? It yeah. really makes you excited.
1: Trailers are an art too. That's why there are awards for people who make trailers. Um, I also am excited to just basically check out Ali Wong's Bob that she's wearing throughout the whole film. It's a different look for her than we than we've seen. Um and also I'm really I just I I have the the screeners by the way and everything that I've heard from people they're like it's really good. So what I'm hoping for if I have a wish list is uh number 1 is to have very creative revenging. Uh because I have watched enough revenge things in the past like year or so and I think the most disappointing ones are the ones where they're like, you didn't think it through. Um, one class, part of the reason why I feel like it kind of fell out was just like, uh, I'm just going to buy his company, so I need to be successful. But I'm like, but there's so many other ways to get revenge. Um, And then uh, there was another one called Remarriage and Desires where I was like, this lady literally has no plan. And then she keeps getting like, uh, outfoxed by the person she's trying to revenge on. So (laughs) this one... Ali Wong looks like ruthless. I love Stephen Yeun. I just, I'm very excited.
0: I also think it's interesting from what I saw from the trailer, it looks like we're going to be talking about class and privilege and wealth, which is not things I think our current representation really dives deep enough into. And, you know, professional Asian, we know that we have the highest uh, disparity. Our community has the highest mm-hmm. disparity or the highest wealth gap, right, of any of the communities. Um, so I think like going beyond just like, oh, being Asian, you know, we're talking about other intersectionalities looks really fun. I also really like the I like the Steven Yun like working class haircut. He's usually like a like a pretty boy, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. So that'll be like he has like the flowy hair. So it'll be interesting to see him in this. Yeah.
2: I mean, from the looks of it, it looks like I know that's not what you meant, Han, but like it looks mm-hmm. like the revenge that they're doing to each other is pretty not thought out, but that's just how you are when you're angry, right? You do some really dumb, impulsive shit and it just spirals and I I, I want to see like that. like
1: Yeah, no, I that. still want to <laughs> see like even the sloppy revenge, but at least they're actually getting revenge versus zero plan. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah, I'm down. I'm down for some beef. I want to eat some beef too. <laughs> yeah.
0: Very
2: excited. All right, Jess, um, you have our next story, which is something that's more pop culture adjacent.
0: Our next story is... One of the nation's first Asian-American bookstores, Eastwind Books in Berkeley, mm. will be closing after 41 years of business. <gasps> Do
1: we want this? Ooh.
0: <laughs> no. That's, no, we don't. No, we don't. I mean, I don't know. I went to Berkeley. I came here a lot. I bought a lot of books, both for fun and for class here. Um, you know, they're super sweet. They let you use the space in a lot of ways. I, my friends have had like rehearsals in here. Um, it's it's on a, it's on like very close campus. And and it's, I, I think if you are in any way, shape or form, like in the circle of Asian American studies, you know about Eastland books. They are they are OG. You know, started in the 60s when all the ethnic studies and the move for more, uh, more representation in, academia and college uh was starting and so it's a sad thing but it looks like they are also doing it to take more time for themselves and to uh take care of their parents who are aging which is so very asian <laughs> um so and i believe there are plans to kind of uh at least keep it online for the foreseeable future and do some e-commerce. So their last day is going to be April 30th this month. Um, I'm actually going to be up in Berkeley for other reasons later. So I am hoping to stop by and pay my respects one last time. Oh, so sad.
2: Yeah. All right. Han, you've got some exciting breaking news for us.
1: <laughs> uh, Yeah. And I will make sure that this is, properly reported um, with all the caveats. So basically, earlier this week, Variety posted an exclusive that says The White Lotus Season 3 will be set in Thailand. Uh, Just to give a little bit more background is uh, they said multiple sources close to production told Variety. Um, And HBO declined to comment. So that's significant because if HBO was not, uh, could not be reached for comment, that meant HBO got the email and just ignored it. But this one, they actually replied and said, we're not commenting. So that's interesting.
0: So that means that it's going to be in Thailand. That's
1: why I think they felt safe to print this. So, But just covering our bases in case it's not Thailand, but most likely <laughs> it will be. Um, and there's, of course, speculation that um, because the previous White Lotus series were shot in Four Seasons hotels in Hawaii and Italy. Um, there's a lot of Four Seasons in Thailand. So it could be in any of the places like Bangkok, Chiang Mai, uh, and a bunch of other places. So, you know, there are options. And the Lotus, as a symbol, of course, you know, uh, definitely plays there. He had hinted that season three was going to play- take place in Asia because it would focus on death and Eastern religion and spirituality. Uh, So I ask you, do we want this? I don't think I do, to be honest. (laughs) The whole thing sounds...
2: You know, if this season they were to open up to maybe a writer's room that Mm -hmm. included Southeast Asian Thai writers, maybe I would be open to it. But that's not how Mike White operates, right?
0: No? no, no, I'm, I'm very uh, apprehensive. We know he does not know how to handle race. Um, He. Is. A little still, I still think a little too nice to like the people he's satirizing Um, because he gives them very fabulous. I mean, that's kind of his point. He's like a cynic. They get very fabulous. Like the the dressing around them is still very fabulous, and they usually end up in you know, oh, getting away with things. And it's just, yeah. Do I need a white man telling me about Eastern spirituality?
2: Yeah, I mean, <sighs> let's be clear. None of like the white lotus, much like the menu, is not a very effective eat the rich. Story like the rich barely get eaten at all. Like and to be held <laughs> yeah, up. And at- he
0: does too, he does too good of promoting like how nice it is to be rich, <laughs> right? Like I'm watching this. I'm like, yo, I'm gonna go book a hotel night at that yeah um Sicily Terramina resort. Um, and it's especially I mean I'm also very interested because like Thailand is pretty fucking strict with a lot of things, right? Like Like, I feel like they're like, like, you know, you're not allowed to disrespect the king. Um, I'm sure they have to go through authorities and like, how will they feel about being portrayed a certain way? Uh, But also very good for tourism. It is also like a hotbed of it's been very, you know, tourist infrastructure for decades now. So I don't uh, like I like White Lotus. When I don't have to worry about, <laughs> when I don't have to worry about rep sweats, yeah. you know, but like I will definitely have to worry about rep sweats if it's set in Thailand.
1: Yeah, uh, as has been noted, his his dealing with race and colonialism is not great. Like it's like you he offered just a tiny whiff of that at the very beginning of White Lotus season one did nothing with it and then also proceeded to like kind of disappear certain people. Uh, and then in season two in Italy, he kind of just avoided race altogether. Um,
0: Which I thought was much more effective it, it and sense. much more successful. Yeah. Right. Like you can't handle that many things, Mike, what you're talented, but like that is your blind spot. Um, and like, not just the race part, but the, Buddhism part? I'm assuming it's going to be about Buddhism and that oh, if you're going to set it
1: in Thailand? It's going to be totally orientalized for sure. Uh, um, uh, the thing about why we keep talking about Mike White is for those who don't really know, he not only writes, but he directs every single episode. So that is why the with, whereas with most shows, they kind of trade up the responsibilities. You know, he would be the creator. Maybe he'd write the first episode and the last episode, but No. He does everything here. Kind of like how Taylor Sheridan writes every single series in the Yellowstone verse. Um, but at least he doesn't direct them. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm not feeling good about this. Already when he hinted at the Asian stuff, I was like, oh, no. Oh, we were because there's creeping.
0: There's... <laughs> There's also some very icky stuff that if you're gonna dive into like the dark twisty of like Thai tourism, like yeah, I don't trust it's them the to handle right. The same things that like,
2: made the ending of Tar so like iffy, so like gross, oh. right? Because wait,
0: your 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 punishment is get to you get to live in the
1: Philippines, <laughs> uh, surrounded by Asians. What a horrible thing! Uh, <laughs> my worst nightmare, Lydia Tar. Uh, yeah, I'm not feeling good about it. Will I watch it? Sure. Um. Will I probably like enjoy some of the visuals? Yes, absolutely. But it's gonna be really fraught.
2: Yeah, definitely. There, I have a morbid curiosity, but I can see myself bouncing off the same way I bounced off of White Lotus season one.
1: This is when so I'm gonna now. be like, "Hey, writers of Thai descent, or at least knowledge, you know." fairly
0: knowledgeable um this is when you need to hit me up with like really strong pitches (laughs) yeah i uh yeah and i'm like i know like the 12 working tie writers in hollywood like please hire one of them like like in terms of tv writers like mike white please hire some of them one of them yes all of them
1: (laughs) yeah even one but maybe more would be good
0: more More, higher level a woman Mm
1: -hmm. woman especially
0: oh my gosh Oh, my God. <laughs>
1: oh, my God. <laughs> anyway.
2: All right. Last one? Um, our last story. Um, speaking of the White Lotus, uh, People has right. revealed that White Lotus Season 2 star Will Sharp um, is set to direct the upcoming film adaptation of Michelle Zahner's 2021 memoir, Crying in H-Mart uh, for MGM's Orion Pictures. Crying for H-Mart, of course, is the memoir of... Michelle's Honor, also known as the singer Japanese Breakfast, um, which is an expansion of her um, essay that was published in the New Yorker magazine in 2018 um, about her dealing with her mother's death and how um, losing that connection to her Korean heritage, she's half Korean, um, caused her to have a, an emotional moment in an H Um, The film is going to be a coming-of-age story about a half-Korean daughter who returns to small-town Oregon to care for her Korean mother, depicting their relationship as they learn to see and accept one another through the formative power of music and the vibrant flavors of Korean cooking. Do we want this?
0: Did you know he's married to the female Loki from... Oh... (laughs) Oh. Sorry, random. No, I, just, I mean... Every time I see him now, I'm just like, oh, you're married to Lady Loki. Because uh, I think she's also credited in that photo in this article. <laughs> um, I mean, I I don't doubt he's talented. A part of me still wishes that it was a woman director. Um, I do think there is a special dynamic, a specific dynamic between mothers and daughters. Um That a lot that usually fly over men's heads, um, because they're not the brunt, Mm -hmm. they don't get the brunt of it. Um, you know, I, I get that he can relate on the biracial thing, but the it's not a one for one match. Ultimately, if Michelle Zahner is seems to be good with it and he is, um, Oh, my friend, my friend did say it's like, oh, well, that's kind you know, maybe it's karma for. Yeah. She did call herself Japanese breakfast. There's kind
2: of this ouroboros like, knot of, like, mm-hmm. Michelle Zahner, who performs as Japanese breakfast, is a Korean woman. And the director of her, essentially her biopic, is going to be a Japanese man.
0: Japanese British man. <laughs> yeah. So, like, like the Caucasian parts don't even match <laughs> up. Like the, um, but I guess we're similar now. So yeah, I, I'd be interested. I, I, I think she is adapting it herself. Um, so you know, if the script is strong, and I guess she thought that was, you know, that that extra layer of like sense of or need for belonging in that biracial, like multiple cultures upbringing was like the most important good for her. I'm not going to say I can relate. Um, I grew up in a very Asian neighborhood with a lot of Asian peers and a very no angst there. So, uh, you know what? If everyone's happy, I'm happy. I'm fine with it.
2: Yeah. Uh, I do like her music. And I do like food from H-Smart, which funny enough, if you go to H-Smart these days, she is everywhere. Like she is giving the cooking demos on like the LCD TVs all (laughs) around H-Smart. Like she is fully embracing the brand synergy of titling her book after an existing Korean supermarket chain
1: uh well i need to go uh i haven't been to an h mart in a little while i think i've definitely been to nine nine ranch and some other thai markets <laughs> recently but um yeah i need to go back to h mart because i really do love
0: h marts um and i do and if you go if you go like in the afternoon and like all the like hot foods like yes. discounted already mm-hmm. it's the great yeah yes,
2: we need to write a book called balling at 99 nine ranch to get ourselves that sweet <laughs> sponsorship deal
1: Yes, yes, that's true. Um, I, I, I will say, you know,
0: Will Will Sharp is hot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that necessarily helps in this case because I I can't get over his. He was so good as Ethan in White Lotus yes. 2. that I which and I hate Ethan so He's, I was like mm-hmm. I can't I can't mm, I'm just like you little whiny bitch stop <laughs> stop being annoying. Um, it
1: messed with my mind, actually. It because did. Of
0: It's like how I don't like Blake Lively because I hate Serena Woodson <laughs> yeah. um, And I can't, like, separate the two. So I'm just like, ooh, like, I don't know. how I've never seen anything about Will Sharp in real life. Like, I've seen. It still freaks me out when he talks and there's, like, a British accent. Yeah.
1: I, and I haven't um, really seen his other stuff either. So, yeah. Um, that was a surprise to me when I was watching White Lotus and I was like, why didn't no one tell me there was an Asian person on this? Uh, I will say that if she is adapting that um, herself, that gives me some hope. I think um, I don't, I have to be picky about the grief things that I read. I think this was, she is a, Sort of, a, she is a beautiful writer, and there was a reason why that New Yorker piece like took off. Uh, and she does a really good job, even though in some ways it's kind of cliche now when we talk about Asian food, bringing about like you know how we are in touch with our families and that's an expression of love. But she does it in such a way that doesn't feel cliche. It actually feels you know resonant. Uh, so I I also fully expect to be very hungry watching this movie so i'm I'm all for it i I think it was a pretty it was one of the better books I read um that year
2: I think yeah, I think my answer would be yes, I do want it well also being aware of like the the pieces that don't really fit in in this picture but you know I mean again, we'll probably watch this when it comes out oh yeah um, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I guess for the time being um interested in seeing where development goes and with that that'll do it for this edition of do we want this um and this episode of the good pop culture club uh jess han if people want to find out more of your thoughts where can they go
0: my trash takes are on twitter at just Jude
1: and i'm at anonymous for now <laughs>
2: You can find me on Twitter at Marvin. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. Uh, As always, we are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Uh, Check out our fellow Asian-American hosted podcast by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And that's a wrap for March. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to us. And yeah, we'll see you all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.
1: Bye.